0: What's going on, FCS fans? Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I am David Hassagen, and with me, as always, the czar of the playbook, Emory Hunt. Emery, good morning.
1: Good morning, my man. Sorry we're a day late and a dollar short, but we're always on time, even if we're not on schedule.
0: That makes absolutely no sense, but with the way you keep <laughs> your schedule, I, 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 I'm, I don't expect anything less. Folks, don't forget... We're on iTunes with this thing. You can listen to us anywhere on iTunes. Search Football Game Plan Podcast. Subscribe. Give us that five-star rating. We're also on YouTube. Check out the FCS Kickoff and all other Football Game Plan videos. Emery's also always got some great stuff going up on the YouTube, so check that out on the Football Game Plan Network. You can follow us on Twitter, FCS, at the FCS Kickoff, at FCS Opening Drive, and follow my man Emery at FBall game Plan And be sure to look out for the FCS Kickoff Show and the FCS Conference. Whip around on footballgameplan.com slash fcs kickoff and i can't believe it's the final week of the regular season this is this is nuts
1: it's flown <laughs> by man it's it shocked me when i started to see some of these games on the schedule i'm like wait a minute are we that close to the end of the season Week 12 right week 12 week are, we,
0: are we are we talking playoffs 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 <laughs> <laughs> we'll be talking playoffs folks we'll be talking about all the rivalry games because it's rivalry weekend coming up last week of the season my favorite time of the year i love a good rivalry game it's going all across college football we're going to talk about who's in, who could have their tickets punched, and who saw their bubble burst this past week. But let's start with some score lines that came up this week, Emery. Let's start this off. Dartmouth at Fenway Park. No problem with Brown, 33-10 to 10 for Big Green. Yeah, this was more about
1: the atmosphere as opposed to the actual game. You know, it's the fact that they played at Fenway Park, which yep. is why that's, this game <laughs> was intriguing from last week because you kind of knew Dartmouth was going to go out
0: there and take care of business they absolutely rolled big win though for uri and of an upset win they knock out nova 20 to 6 i've tried to tell people
1: all season long that rhode island is not a bad team Shout out to Coach Jim Fleming for doing his thing and and keeping that team afloat and winning a big game against a team that's notoriously known for for their style defense and offensive line.
0: Absolutely. Uh, We played their fight song coming onto the show. Howard with a big win, last second winner against Norfolk State, 28-24. Talk about
1: a big win because this keeps their hopes alive, and we'll dive into that later on in the show. But this was
0: a huge win for the Bison. Talk about huge wins. Furman, massive win, 56-20 over the Citadel. Furman... They're playing for their playoff lives too. This was a game that we
1: talked about last week as a game of intrigue because of how the Citadel plays offense and how real Furman is. But I guess Furman showed that they are real and they are steamrolling
0: toward the playoffs. Northern Arizona, the Lumberjacks, they nearly slipped, but they're not losing to Montana State. 37-36, though, closer than we thought it was going to be.
1: Very close. A nail-biter, as a matter of fact, and it sets up a huge matchup this week for the Lumberjacks.
0: Southern Utah, though, they keep rolling along 47-27 over UC Davis. This
1: is one of the good stories of the FCS this season where a team that was unheralded coming into the year has really stepped up their play and played some great football and now looks to be a a shoe
0: in for the playoffs. And speaking of comeback, though, North Dakota State coming off a loss, 49-14 over South Dakota. Yeah, they beat the brakes off the Coyotes, man. And again,
1: this is a team that we can't figure out, right? No. Not at all. <laughs> so, South Dakota,
0: please, please just be normal. Just one week, please. Right. I just I don't get it, man. This was a big loss for them. A bad loss, absolutely. And let's get into those big losses. We had uh, several notable losses. We're going to focus on four here, and that's Illinois State, Duquesne, Elon, and Western Carolina. Let's start with Illinois State. They had a tough game though. Pretty good competitive game here with South Dakota State. They went to overtime, lost twenty-seven to twenty-four. Um. And this is another team we can't figure out. Illinois State week to week, you think they're in, then they're out, then they're in. What is with this Cardinal this is team? I I I don't understand. I don't I don't get it
1: either and we talked about this last episode there's no column in the win loss column for competitive losses, right? Right. So they have a competitive competitive loss here against the Jackrabbits, but this was a must-win game for them. I think this puts their playoff resume into question they had to win this ball game South Dakota State could have afforded another loss they they are you know a proud program true and true uh, through and through but this was a big game for head coach Brock's back and his squad and they lost an overtime tough loss but I think they may have seen their playoff bubble burst the last weekend
0: yeah I I, I tend to agree I mean you look at this team and th- if you look at the resume quickly you think, okay, they, they're slipping in in that 23rd, 24th you know, spot. Right. But if you break it down, they're such a hard team to figure out, do they belong or do they not? And th- it, next week is, almost, is a definite must-win. They, they have to win in their final week. Otherwise, they're definitely out. But even if they win that game, it might be too late for the Redbirds. I, I, I think it's – I mean, North Dakota State's their last game. If they yeah, win, they're not winning that game. But if they win that game, if they somehow beat the odds, that might be enough to get them in because that's a win against a top-five team.
1: That's true. And so that's why next week is so important. You, you hit the nail on the head. That's a big enough game to where if they win, it'll be hard to, to make the case against them staying out for a team that has eight wins with maybe a questionable strength of schedule.
0: Exactly, And one of those teams that you could easily throw into that conversation is Duquesne. Right. Another team that is... T- desperately rooting for the bison to take care of business um another close ga- close close game uh they lose to central connecticut state 28 Conne- 27 congratulations to the blue devils first of all for winning the nec uh tremendous coaching job there uh but duquesne this was the team that i think a lot of people figured were going to win the nec especially a couple weeks ago we were saying it you know central connecticut could challenge but it was it was the it was duquesne's to lose and they just couldn't get it done when they needed to
1: I think with the biggest surprise coming from this game, it, for my for my money and in my opinion, is quarterback Jacob Dolgala of Central Connecticut State. Like, he really hadn't shown to be the threat in the passing game. Yep. It's been run, run game defense all season long. They needed – they and credit Duquesne for making him beat them throwing the football and that's exactly what he did yeah. he converted crucial third downs when they needed to do it uh, in the ball game and they were able to keep the the duquesne dukes at bay and this was really it was cold that weekend in pittsburgh now I'm not saying it doesn't get cold in, in central connecticut but yeah. um that was a tough game for the blue devils a game that you would easily could have expected them to lose because hey this is a young team still trying to figure out things they're they're, they're hot right now but obviously duquesne is the better team but that's that's why they play the game. The Blue Devils went out there, took care of business, and essentially put Duquesne in cheer mode because, again, yeah, you're right. They're, they're going to finish with a good record, but they may not make the
0: playoffs. And you look at their last two games. I mean, they're coming off a, lo- a tough loss to Liberty the week before where they allowed 20 unanswered points. That may be the what keeps them out. That, should, that That is probably what will keep them out because, I mean, this Central Connecticut State game was kind of back and forth, but it was the same thing, two late touchdowns from the Blue Devils at the end of the fourth quarter not being able to finish has been Duquesne's problem all year and especially with those last two losses if, if it's a close game they, I mean they beat Valparaiso by only five that was really the only close game they've really won outside of Dayton but I mean you're talking about Pioneer
1: shout out to Valpo though they beat Butler
0: yes shout out to <laughs> Valpo we'll get to that rivalry game in a second but this this is a Losing to Liberty, that is, uh, again, losing close games, games that are competitive, games that you should win or have to win. They done, haven't done have done it twice in a row, two weeks in a row. So now even if they beat Bryant in the final week. That's I've, a tough
1: game right there.
0: Yeah, it, it's a very tough game right there. And and even if they do, like I said, even if they do win it, with all the chaos and all the parity that's going on, you get a team out of the, a conference on the NEC, it might not be enough for them. Uh, another team we need to talk about here, and that is Elon. Huge loss for Elon, uh, losing to UNH sixteen to six. You could equally equally say a massive win for UNH because they're very much on the bubble too um, at this point of the season. This is this shouldn't affect Elon though. They're getting in, aren't they? Yeah, they're getting in. This
1: was the the reason why this was a huge loss for Elon, because now this this will probably take them out of the running for the top eight seed. Right then that that all-important buy in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. So now they're probably going to have to play next week or the week after next or whenever the, the playoffs start. For New Hampshire, I think this hardens that bubble that they were sitting on.
2: Yeah, Because I thought they were
1: flirting with, you know, probably their bubble bursting. Uh, but once again, the Wildcats find a way to Wildcat and <laughs> get in the playoffs. I think this win puts them in the playoffs. And just an impressive defensive effort. But quiet is kept. Elon has been playing close games all all season long, yes. and it finally caught up to them this week against a really good team in New Hampshire.
0: And they're going into a week where they're going to have to be perfect oh. playing against JMU, even though JMU is not exactly lighting yeah, up right. people's scoreboards and saying, yes, they're the number one team, they're going to be the favorite to win it all. I don't think there really is a favorite to win it all. But they way. hadn't lost, though. They haven't lost, which is obviously critical, because another one of these teams that they don't beat themselves, but the difference is this team has talent, JMU. So if Elon's going to win this game... They need to find a way to make one or two key stops. As for UNH, back-to-back wins now against William & Mary and Elon, and if you look at their schedule, they've lost to the teams that you would think they w- might lose to, pr- for the most part. They lost to JMU, they lost to Stony Brook, who's having a tremendous season, and their other losses to Holy Cross, who you know is you know up and down. They have enough talent on their roster, but they're be- the biggest thing is going into this last week against Albany on the road, which is never an easy place to play, UNH has beaten the teams that they should beat. They Laid out Bryant. They beat URI. They knocked out Towson. Easily took care of William and Mary. Albany kind of fits in that category this year. They're not having a great season. Defensively, you know they're strong, but you would think if the if the the trend holds, UNH gets that win, that gets them to eight and three. That so what be if enough. they
1: lose this game, do you like if they lose this game? Where do you put UNH? You put them back on the bubble.
0: I put them back on the bubble and right next to the line. Uh, if UNH loses to Albany, I have them. Maybe as the twenty third or twenty fourth spot, but that would give them you know again seven and four record, and with how much parity there is this year, every, every I, I know it's the cliche, every game is critical for H There's nothing bigger than to not just beat Albany, but beat Albany convincingly. Yes, this week. There you go. And I again looking at the trends of what they've done this year, I think they can. And the last game we're going to talk about the really only the the only upset of the week, uh, Western Carolina who. Um, was ranked going into this game in the FCS Stats Poll, losing to Mercer. Now, we know Mercer's had a pretty good year. They've had a couple of quality wins. That's got to be the death knell for West Carolina, doesn't it?
1: If I were to tell you in the beginning of the week that Tyree Adams would throw for over 350 yards and Western Carolina would score 30 points, you'd say, oh, yeah, they would be blowing out Mercer, right? Yeah. All of that happened except the last part. They didn't blow out Mercer. Yeah. They couldn't stop the run. Their defense had leakage, which was, which was weird to say, because well we know Mercer is a run based football team, but Mercer is this type of squad. Mercer is a team that you know you're gonna you're gonna be in every ball game. Yeah. They haven't pushed they haven't pushed through yet like Kennesaw. I feel like they've been knocking on the door the last three seasons. Yeah. Last year I thought they had their best team to really not only get into the playoffs but win the SoCon. So, they're right there. Head coach Bobby Lamb has done a great job in recruiting and developing his talent. So, I'm not surprised that they lost. I'm surprised at the way Western Carolina lost this ball game. And, yes, that firmly puts them, you know, behind the line on the bubble. Yeah. They need a lot of help.
0: They need a lot of help. And, I I mean, we have to give a shout-out to T. Mitchell as well from Mercer who had himself a career, day: 26 carries for 120. He, that's the first time he's cracked 100 yards all year. And you know Western Carolina's looking at this like, you had to choose this week? Why now? Why do you have to crash the 100-yard barrier now? You couldn't wait like until your senior season to do that sort of thing? Like what, Why? But no, I, I I really believe... I mean, Western Carolina's got a ton of talent, and we know that. We've seen it all year. This is a problem for them. This is a big problem for them. And I, and I know they got one week left. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but... They're in a lot of trouble. I really think they are in a lot of trouble. Like you said, I think they're, if not on the line, below the line. They might be that first team out that we're going to talk about, and could be one of those snubs, uh, depending on how much parity, you know, how much what happens in this final weekend, because we still don't know. We've only had four tickets punched Mm -hmm. to the big dance so far, which is unbelievable to think about, and it, it, it it could really come down to survival of the fittest if they don't win this last game, which is against North Carolina. Granted, the, the <laughs> yeah, Tar Heels right. have had a brutal season, but they just they just beat Pitt.
1: Listen, so, I was at that game, so that you know, Pitt lost that game, more so than North Carolina beat them.
0: Right. But still, FCS versus FBS, you right. expect things. Then again, <laughs> the way UNC is playing this year, Western <laughs> Carolina, if they win, that's an FBS win on their resume. You can't not put them in at that point with the record that they have. So, who knows? Let's talk about those bubble teams, though. And and we had some teams that really were on a very treacherous bubble going into Week 11. And I can pick out a couple teams here, and we talked about a couple of them. For me, Illinois State, Western Carolina are, I think they're done, personally. Um, NC Central, I think any hope they had of making the playoffs is gone. And I think Richmond as well. I think we were talking about them potentially slipping in there. They lost this week. I think they're gone, too.
1: Yeah, I I would definitely agree with you on all of those. Uh, What a way to lose if you're North Carolina Central. Uh, Bethune-Cookman hit him with that Hail Mary. Uh. Hail Mary Bethune-Cookman. That was interesting (laughs) what they called it. (laughs) Uh. So uh, Hail Mary McLeod-Bethune-Cookman. So that's what they called it. But, yeah, I think their bubble has burst. I honestly think even with the win last week, Eastern Illinois' bubble bursted,
0: Illinois State, you mean? No,
1: Eastern Illinois. Oh, Eastern Illinois? Yeah. 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 So, you know, they shouldn't have lost that game two weeks ago. Right. That killed them. Uh, But I think those teams you mentioned bubble burst it. And it's it's crazy because, I mean, when you look at the Southland, and we'll talk about this again later, but, man, there's going to be some really good teams in the playoffs that's going to be left out, depending on how much uh, weight the – Selection committee puts on certain conferences like the Missouri Valley or the Big Sky because right. there's some Big Sky teams, Eastern Washington, that shouldn't <laughs> don't get me started on the you know, that shouldn't get in. But you know, their name, name program it's a name. So we'll see.
0: I mean, I I, I agree with you at some point, but again, you talk about you know the parity of this year. We still have six conferences to be decided. I mean, the fact that the CAA is still up in the air when your second and third place teams are Elon and Stony Brook behind JMU, this should be over. JMU should have clinched this conference three weeks ago. I mean, let's be honest. If you if I told you second place and third place in the CAA behind James Madison was Elon and Stony Brook, you'd expect them to both have at least two, maybe three losses in the conference, and it was just a dogfight in the middle. And it's been a dogfight in the middle, but they keep winning. So if like I, I wrote down in my notes here. Elon win over JMU equals absolute chaos. <laughs> because if they win this thing, JMU is obviously getting in. They're still probably going to get a bye even with a loss to Elon. Uh, it's wide open. It's absolutely wide open.
1: You, you know whose bubble bursted last week, I believe, even though they're winning? Delaware. Mm, Cause yes. Because New Hampshire won, yep. beat a ranked opponent. In Elon, you have to put them over Delaware right now, right? Absolutely. Even though Delaware yeah. is a name program. But and here's
0: the thing Delaware's got to win over Stony Brook. Right. They got to win over Stony Brook. They've got, uh, I mean, you just look at their schedule. They got to win over Richmond. And here's the thing they haven't really played anyone that tough. They don't have JMU on their schedule this year, uh, they don't have Elon on their schedule. Their last game is at Villanova. Now, normally you beat Villanova that. You know, as of a couple years ago, that might be enough to get you over the hump, especially with a win over Stony Brook, the way they're playing this year. This time around, in 2017, I don't think that's enough. Even if you beat Villanova, that's three wins on the trot. I don't think it's enough. And it's
1: crazy because Delaware is playing good football. Their defense is good. Uh, Coach Rocco has turned this program around. So if Delaware and New Hampshire finish with the same record, you know, do they put both teams in? And then does that knock out a team out of the Southland who has an, a more impressive resume? Yeah, I believe. So this this is where it's going to get tough for the selection committee because there are some
0: legit arguments that can be made for teams being in and teams being left out. Let's talk about some of those teams that could get in, and let's start with Austin P. Obviously, one of the great stories, if not the story, of the FCS season, going from winless to now seven and four, six and one in the conference, uh, wins over. UT Martin, Eastern Kentucky, barely lost to Cincinnati. Uh, three of their losses are against FBS opponents. Right. Um, so does Austin P have enough for you to get in at 7-4? and four? Yes,
1: and I'm going to make the case because of what you just said. Three of their four losses are against FBS opponents. Now, if yep. they were able to win one of those games, they'd have an even stronger case. But you look at where this team was for a long time to where they are now, into how they have gotten here, you have to put them in. This is a very tough conference. The OVC is just as competitive as the CAA or the Missouri Valley. Maybe not have a lot of depth, but they are equally as competitive. And they played Jacksonville State tough. I know I just made a case for no competitive losses, but Austin P has the resume. And you always want the storyline to go into the playoffs. They have the storyline. Worst to first. Getting in, I like this. Plus, they may also have the Coach of the Year in Will Hilly.
0: Absolutely, and and we had a we had a list here, folks, that we we're, we're looking at. You know, can we make the case for these teams? I'm going to go with one of the tougher cases to make here. I'm going to make a case for Colgate. Ooh, make now, that case. Let me hear that one. The Patriot League. We, this has been our running joke all season long of how bad the Patriot League has been. Colgate is the only team that has shown any consistency and any quality in the Patriot League. They're at 6-4 and four right now. They're guaranteed above 500 record. The only way they're going to win the conference is if they win and Lehigh loses to Lafayette in the rivalry. But here's the thing. Their only loss in the Patriot League was to Lehigh. You look at their other three losses, like you think, oh, 6-4, or 7-4. and, four, seven and four. Their losses are to Richmond, Furman, and FBS Buffalo. And they barely lost to Richmond. They had that
1: game won, man.
0: They had this game won, and you're talking about a, a – You know, the Patriot League, I mean, this first first game of the year for these guys, they went to Cal Poly, who we know has had a terrible season. They still won that game, traveling to California and playing a team from the big sky that should dominate that game and winning. They've beaten Bucknell. They've beaten Holy Cross. They've beaten Fordham. They've beaten Lafayette. And they've done so convincingly, not to mention a win over Cornell, who's having a surprisingly good year in the Ivy. This is the only team that deserves to make the playoffs out of the Patriot League. Lehigh, I'm sorry, but I hope Lafayette beats you because there is no reason you should be in the playoffs. You know it, we know it, we all know it. Colgate deserves to have that spot. 7-4 with some decent wins out of conference and the losses have not been in the league for the most part. Could have easily beaten Lehigh, too. They only lost by three points. I think Colgate has a shot to take that 24 spot. Again, if we see that parity and these teams, all these teams on the bubble lose this week, I think Colgate deserves a spot. Now,
1: I have the Georgetown Colgate broadcast this week, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a ton of scoreboard watching oh, from yeah. those guys in the press box like, hey, man, we really need Lafayette. And, and the funny part is Lafayette just may be able to do it because they have a really good defense.
0: Yeah, and so, it's the rivalry. I mean, we're talking about a rivalry that's going back 150 years there's nothing more they want to do than beat Lehigh.
1: Exactly. So you combine that with the fact that Lehigh has no defense. <laughs> yeah. There's an opportunity for Lafayette to win this game. Yeah. However, if you're Colgate, so does Georgetown. Yeah. You cannot overlook Georgetown. Now, Georgetown has absolutely no offense. Right. But they're all defense and special teams. You can legitimately lose this game 12 to 3 and be upset because of how Georgetown's defense is, you know, so. Yeah. Georgetown won't beat you because they're scoring points offensively. Their defense and special teams will have to score. But they should win. Yeah. Colgate. Lehigh-Lafayette is going to be probably one of the better games of this weekend because of the rivalry and because of the implications that are involved with this matchup.
0: Absolutely. All right. I just took a bullet, so I'm going to give you another team to make a case for here. Tell me why Samford deserves to make the playoffs.
1: Ooh. Here's why Samford deserves to make the playoffs. I talked about storylines, right? Mm-hmm. And I talked about... Why you watch and why teams are drawn? Uh, why fans are drawn to certain teams? Sanford has offense, and they're getting hot at the right time. <laughs> That's how you know I'm telling the truth. I sneeze, <laughs> <laughs> sneeze on the truth. I mean, exactly. there you go. And so you look at the SoCon. Sanford is five and two in conference. Yep. Seven and three overall. They won two straight games. They beat Western Carolina. Correct. Right.
0: Actually, no, they lost. Western oh, they Carolina. lost.
1: Was they beat? They beat. Um, They beat Wofford. Wofford. So, that's an impressive win. Now, they have an an ugly loss on that uh, schedule as well. Chattanooga. So, that could be the potential death nail in their chances. However, if they win this week... Yeah, against Furman. There you go. So, now you beat the top two teams in conference. Not to mention a win over Mercer. Bingo, who just knocked off Western Carolina. So... You have the the, the strength of schedule argument going for you. You have one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Devlin Hodges. You have one of the best wide receivers as well in Kelvin McKnight. So you have the the momentum. And Sanford is a team that is a – is Lehigh with the defense. Right. So that team can cause problems. Now, how many SoCon teams get in? I think you may only see two. But Furman has a legitimate case. I mean, I'm sorry, it's Sanford.
0: And here's the thing. uh, Actually, I think what's going to put – Sanford over the top is an out-of-conference win because week one, they beat Kennesaw. Bingo, and Kennesaw is just rolling. Let's talk about Kennesaw for a second because uh, this has been the big d- debate, I think, is the Big South. It's a 16 conference. We know that. We know Liberty's moving up. They're starting the transition next year. We know Campbell's moving in uh, to scholarship full next year, but it's only a 16 conference. How much weight can you put on that? You've got two 9-1 teams in this conference going into a do-or-die game, possibly. Both teams deserve to make it in. Both. Look at, I mean, first of all, nine wins. I, I don't, you, you said it a couple weeks ago, you could only play who's on your schedule. They have, and they've won. Nine and one. So Kennesaw's only, state's only loss is to a SOCON team who you kind of expect. SOCON's a much stronger conference than the Big South. But you also have wins over Liberty. You got a win over Montana State, which is a quality win. That was win. a quality win. And Charleston Southern. And in many respects, you're talking about one of the best defenses in FCS, in right. Kennesaw. You look at Monmouth now, they've been the one team out of this conference that's been consistent all year long in how they play and how they win. They got a win over Lehigh. They've beaten uh, Holy Cross and Hampton as well, which you can't look past, even though they're front coming out of the MEAC. People kind of look at the MEAC, eh, they don't make the playoffs. We don't really know. Hampton, as we've said, is a good squad. That's a good quality win for Monmouth. And uh, what we forget about Monmouth, too, is the travel they have to make in this league i mean you're traveling down to virginia you're traveling to georgia now this week this team has got a whole lot more against them than they have for them and they've still got nine wins so both of these teams deserves to make it in i would rather have a nine and two monmouth team if they lose this week over eastern washington any day of the week period i agree I, that's what that's what's bothering
1: me i don't know why this is a debate it shouldn't be. I think both teams, like you said, th- this shouldn't be. This should be one of the more automatic things. This should be a game that determines
0: seeding as opposed to who gets in, who doesn't. Nine wins. right. Nine Period. wins. Like the debate we're having in the FBS right now. Why is Wisconsin able to get in the top four? They're undefeated out of the Big Ten. They should be. In, they should be number two. Exactly. <laughs> like it's, it's it's the same debate going on, but this has got a whole lot more implication because it's an actual playoff, right, instead of a four game moneymaker. Because you would
1: put oh. them. You would put them in over. Delaware, New Hampshire, you know, again, this is why you can't look at conferences more so than how the teams play. If, if yeah. the selection committee was actually watching Monmouth play this season, they'd say this team is legit good. Yeah. And I've been lucky to see them play live against Bucknell. Kennesaw State is also
0: good. And when they beat Liberty at the time – that was a quality win. Because Liberty was coming off a win over Baylor, who Bingo. we know has had a terrible season, but it's still an FBS win. And you mentioned a Montana State game. Again, that's... Traveling, and they
1: traveled out to Montana. To Montana, and played the Big in Sky. the snow. Exactly. That's and they still got the win. So, I think both of those teams in, They to me, their resume speaks for itself. They yep. have enough to get in. If both of these teams don't get in, it'll be a crime.
0: Oh, absolute travesty. And we're going to stay on the big sky real quick because I want to make a case for Montana, too. 7 and 3, 5 and 2, another one of these teams that's kind of on the bubble, but you look at them compared to, say, in Eastern Washington, much better resume and a much better total team, even though they've kind of been under the radar. You know, Montana's kind of fallen off. They're not the name program out in the, in the West anymore, you know, as opposed to 10 years ago where it's the Grizz. You know, they, they've, they've gone back to being the Grizz right, right now. And they've got wind over Northern Arizona who has been the surprise team in the Big Sky, still top of the conference. They got a big win over Valpo. Think thing with Montana is they need to take care of business in their rivalry game this week. They got Montana State, the Brawl of the Wild. There's a reason they call it that, folks. This game gets nasty. There are big hits. They win this game. I think they're, they could be in regardless of how this game goes. They win this, they solidify it. If they lose it, they've put themselves in the air of missing the playoff. Now, who they lost to this year? You look at, I mean, uh, let me bring up their schedule real quick because their losses are a little bit, they're kind of, eh, you know. Right. Did, are they, were they supposed to? You got losses. I mean, you lost to Washington. Okay, which, that's thrown out. Fair enough. Lost to Weber, who's having a good year All again. All right, so, so they only lost, they lost to? Eastern Washington. Uh, by seven. That pesky you know. Eastern In, Washington squad. If, and here's the thing. If Montana wins this week, and they don't get in and Eastern Washington does, you want to talk about a crime, that's a felony. That's an absolute (laughs) felony. If Montana beats Montana State this week in their rivalry game, Eastern Washington knocks off, ooh, Portland State. Man, they got it easy. And (laughs) Portland State has given up so many points this
1: year. Montana has to get in over Eastern Washington easily. Please,
0: please, committee, please don't make us have a conniption is one of the team I want you to make a case for here and uh, we talked about the Pioneer League Jacksonville very quietly has had a very good season. San Diego is one of the four teams that has punched their ticket. We'll talk to them about them in a second. But Jacksonville, the Dolphins are 7 and 3. They're 5 and 2 in the Pioneer can they slip in under the radar and get a second team of the Pioneer League in the playoff? That's unheard of.
1: That's, well, it, well it, usually it was Dayton and San Diego, and, or right. maybe Butler and San Diego, or Butler Dayton, one of those three. But this year, I think it'll be tough. However, I'll still try to make the case. They're on a winning streak. Yep. They're playing good football. They can run the football, which we know travels well. Yes, um, They're competitive. I think they're slowly transitioning to, transitioning to scholarship football. So they do have athletes. Yeah. However, I question their defense and they have a real ugly blowout loss on their
0: schedule as well. To Mercer and as well to San Diego. They got two of them on there. So,
1: and it's already tough for a Pioneer League team to get in. Right. Outside of the the the, you know, the obvious, you know, conference winner, they still don't want to put the conference winner in. Yeah. You know, uh but San Diego is by far the best team in that, you know, both sides of the ball. So, Jacksonville the case you could make, eight wins, but one of those wins is against a Division II opponent.
0: Actually, they got Guilford and Walsh University, so they got So two a Division
1: II and a Division III opponent in but also,
0: As you said, though, if they do get in, they will give teams trouble. They're fifth in the FCS in rushing. Number five, they're th- top 30 in points per game and yards per game on the offensive side of the ball. And the rushing defense is actually not bad. They're fifty seventh, which middle is middle of the road, which it's still is still bad. Right, it's, it's still not bad. And how, but but again, it's
1: gonna you know you just if you just told them told the selection committee the record, eight and three. If they let's say they win this week, eight and three. Oh, I mean you got to make a case. But when you look at that schedule and you see a Division three opponent, yeah. And shout out to the Quakers. Guilford does a great job out there too. <laughs> Um, they put up
0: 21 points against them. Exactly.
1: And Walsh, shout out to Walsh. Walsh is going to be a, a nice up-and-coming uh, Division II program in that in that conference, that new conference. And they put up 31
0: points. So, so,
1: therefore, <laughs> it, this is a hard case to make for Jacksonville. I think they're just going to enjoy the nice weather down there on the eastern shore of Florida.
0: Uh, I, 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 it hurts me as the Pioneer League correspondent for the <laughs> FCS round, but, but I, I, I kind of agree. Folks, you're listening to the FCS Opening Drive podcast. David Hassagen here with Emory Hunt. Uh, Don't forget, you can listen to this on iTunes, on demand, all the time. Let's talk about the playoffs, Emory. We're talking about playoffs. We have four tickets punched, which is still too few for one week left of the season, but we have four uh, conferences that have been decided, the NEC, the SOCON, OVC, and the Pioneer. Let's start with the OVC, Jacksonville State. Uh, By far and away, the best team out of the OVC, as they have been the last few years, Um, but this team is special, and this is a team that you think could give a lot of teams problems.
1: Defense run game. That's the mantra of, of you know, winning football. They can do both. Their defense yeah. has legit three pro prospects on it. Three legit draftable NFL prospects on it. Three legit draftable NFL draft prospects that could potentially be in the senior
0: bowl type defense. Okay. So they're good, I mean, right? They're number three in total defense. Exactly number two in rushing defense bingo and they're number eight in points per game allowed only 15 points a game that's, hit me two times that, 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 <laughs> that's, that's
1: unreal see exactly so now you see where i'm going this is a really good football team and they're playing consistent ball um and they again i thought this was the year that they probably would have a challenge in the ovc in tennessee uh, tennessee state <laughs> tennessee <laughs> tennessee. <laughs> tennessee state uh, but we'll see I think when you look at Jacksonville State, just a well-coached squad. Coach John Gross does a great job with this program, and they're going to be—they're the, going to not only be a playoff team, but they're going to win one or two games.
0: And the thing with them is the passing on both sides of the ball. Not a great passing offense, which if they get behind in games, could be a problem. What really confuses me is the passing defense, because as you said, they're 22nd in passing yards allowed. Very good defensively. They have no interceptions. That's crazy. They have no team interceptions with one week to go and a top 25 passing defense. That, makes, that does not compute. That does not make <laughs> any sense at all to me. Um, but, no, I, I think Jacksonville State, I mean, who would have thought their main challenger would be Austin P, first of all? Right. And, but they've, they've taken care of business. And when you're the top team and you know that you're the top team, that's what you need to do is take care of business week to week, and the rest will play out for the rest of itself. That's the same story for San Diego. Champions of the Pioneer League. Uh, for the second consecutive year, sixty-three-seven, they win, beat Davidson in order to get the crown. But this is a quietly a very dangerous team to play against. And obviously, the Pioneer is that conference where you think, all right, first round they might get through, then they get a top-four seed and they get absolutely whipped. If they play offense the way they have all year long, they could be a real problem for a top-four seed.
1: I mean, you look at last year for an example, right? They get into the playoffs. They shock everybody by beating Cal Poly. Yeah. And they really dominated that game. Then they go to North Dakota State. And for a while, they were giving North Dakota State some issues um, until North Dakota State's depth and talent just pulled away at the end. So you're right. They can get into the playoffs, and they can definitely cause some some havoc. I just think that for them, it's going to be about what can they do along the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Because you know, now you're in the top 25 tournament, top 24 tournament. It's all about line of scrimmage play. Who yeah. can you trust up front to consistently win those battles? And if they can, they have a really good defensive end of Jonathan Peterson, um, a guy that's a pro prospect as well. Offensive line, we know they are solid because of they, their ability to run the ball and their tight end, Ross Dwelly. Uh, so they have a chance. How much of a chance will determine on how well they're able to play along the line of scrimmage.
0: I think it depends a lot on matchups as well. Bingo. Because this is a top six. They're number six in rushing defense. If they play a team that runs the ball like a Wofford, Wofford's in trouble because they can really shut it down. Their pass defense is porous. I mean, really, really bad. But you said it. Number 15 in passing offense, 39 in the country in rushing O, They're number three in points per game. They're averaging almost 40 points a game.
1: But it's funny you brought up Wofford because that's why they beat Cal Poly last year.
0: Yeah option team exactly so they got the right matched up
1: well because of the line of scrimmage you're
0: not big up front like you would normally see teams are if they avoid the big passing offense until the later rounds then it's just about winning baby just win that's all you got to do talk about a team that's just winning let's bring up wofford let's talk about them champions now with the socon uh they can still end up with a share of the socon title for the regular season but they have the automatic bid they have the tiebreaker 9-1, 7-1 Nine to one, seven to one this year. Uh, coming off a win over VMI in the fin- in uh, last week, we don't we haven't given Wofford a lot of respect, but they could easily uh, as we. I love my option football. I love some option football, but is that enough for them to really? I mean, they're top ten this year. Is that enough to push them over the top to being a, a title contender?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, here's the thing: Wofford will always give a team problem because of their offense, but where Wofford becomes dangerous is when their defense is good. Yeah, I don't think they're there yet defensively this year. You know, I think they're probably a year away. They're close. From, they're they're close, but they're not what we've seen from Wofford. I would say they're a year away from being like a legit Final Four team. Right. So, but this is a team that can win two games in the playoffs, which is if you can win two games, then you could get to the you can get to Frisco. Absolutely.
0: You know? Yeah, and talk about their the defensive side of the ball. They're 14th in yards per game allowed. They're only allowing just over 300 yards a game on defense, which is pretty good pretty darn good
1: funny fun with numbers because their offense is so ball controlled that their
0: defense doesn't evase a lot bingo yep so that'll be the question if they face a team that can get them off the field how do they react that's gonna be the biggest question and one other ticket that was punched we talked about them before central connecticut state the blue devils uh knock off duquesne in a thriller 28 27 7 and 3 so far this season 5 and 0 this team, I mean, the NEC, you don't often expect to have a, a deep run in the tournament. It probably won't happen this year either, but Central Connecticut is an interesting team. They are. They're
1: fun to watch, too, man, because they have a lot of fun out there on the field. Yeah. If you're having a lot of fun, that tends to permeate throughout the rest of the, the, the roster and what you're doing from an effectiveness standpoint. So, kudos to them, because it's hard to go 5-0 and or undefeated in this league when you have Duquesne, St. Francis, Sacred Heart, Wagner. You know, yeah. these are real strong football teams that have been perennially uh, good football teams and good power so the NEC overall is having a down year but that's not to diminish what Central Connecticut State has done yeah. uh, Coach Pete Rosamondo has done a great job with this football team they got a lot of good defensive players so they're going to fly around the ball they got a really great linebacker Randall Legary. so this is going to be an interesting team to watch because seeding like you mentioned earlier is going to be key. Who they matched who they are matched up against in round one, they could probably potentially win they game, especially if Jacob Dolgala does exactly what he did last week when teams challenged him to throw the football. He came through.
0: Absolutely, and and you look at their at their stats. Nothing blows you away from Central Connecticut State. They're not, I mean, they're top forty in rushing yards and top forty in points per game. Defensively, they're kind of in the middle bottom of every category. But people don't realize how tough it is playing in the Northeast. It, the style of football in the Northeast, and I'm not just saying that because I'm from here and I went to school there, it's gritty. It's hard. It's You hit and you get the, the stingers, the cold. It, it, it just Everything is against you. You're not playing in Texas where you're playing in November and it's 70 degrees. You're playing in the snow and the cold and the wind, and every team you play is just... They, a whole bunch of New York and New Jersey kids that just want to punch you in the mouth. So... We won't know how good this team really is until they face someone that's out of their region, which is probably what is going to happen in this, in this first round. It always seems to go that way. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I think if they get past the first round, I think it's a good chance for them, um, depending on who the at-large is that they get. But I don't know if they get past the second, though.
1: So, so you're saying that they are the cop state of state of, of this tournament?
0: Sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> let's go with that comparison. I mean, obviously a lot of success for these four teams. Well, we all, we talked about this a little bit beforehand. The successful teams that could be on the outside looking in, and I got three here that could be on the outside looking in. I've got Montana, UNH, and Delaware. I think I got them all three. I think UNH with that win last week has enough to get over the hump. But we have to put ourselves in the minds of the committee, and Lord knows what goes on in the minds of the committee. We've seen that ever since the FCFB as playoffs mm-hmm. have gone into effect. We have no clue what goes through the minds of the committee. But if you go into the minds of the committee. I think these three teams are in trouble just because they haven't done enough compared to all the teams that are in this just giant cauldron of teams where they're just going to stick a spoon down in and they're going whoever comes up, that's who they're going to pick. They could be on the outside. They could be a little bit too heavy, too many things against them.
1: I, I could look at a couple of teams, too. I look at the Missouri Valley Conference, Yeah. South Dakota, and Western Illinois. Mm. Now, record-wise, they'll be there, but I think because of the – Depth of the good teams this year, they could potentially be on the outside looking, especially South Dakota yeah. with that nasty loss hanging more recent than a loss that Il- uh, Western Illinois took. Uh, also, McNeese State.
0: See, I Think don't know about, about this. They're, they're top 20, though.
1: They're, they are. But here's the thing. You have Nichols. That doesn't seem like they're going to lose. Yeah. You know, you have uh, Sam Houston State, who's still – probably the one of the least talked about teams in the FCS, despite being one of the best.
0: Yep, not to mention Central Arkansas, who's been dominant.
1: Bingo, so you got three of those teams, right? So you have three strong teams, and McNeese State is really strong. But how much will the committee, and it's, again, it always boils and, and comes down to the committee, because to me, all four of these teams should be in.
0: Absolutely, easily.
1: More so than Eastern Washington, more so than maybe a Montana, more so than Delaware, New Hampshire. So yeah. I think if you put the top three in for the CAA, James Madison, Elon, Stony Brook, you can fit the four teams of uh, the Southland in. Yeah. You know who What are, holds
0: what holds it back though? What 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 do you think? I think people the, look, look people will look at
1: names. Like they'll look at New Hampshire and put them in. Yeah. They'll look at Eastern Washington and put them in. You know, over a team in uh, to me, it'll be so. This is why it makes it tough for a team like Howard or a team like Austin P. You know, or maybe those Mammoth teams. Yeah. You know, or Kansas State. Whoever wins that, whoever loses that game, because how do you keep out a team like McNeese State, like you said, top twenty. You know, and if you look at the Missouri Valley Conference, you can really cut it off after South Dakota State. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and put Northern Iowa, North Dakota State. You probably cannot put Northern Iowa in and be able to fit in a New Hampshire and yeah. now all four of those. So there's some some tricky things going on. In a, in a, let me ask you this, in a Missouri Valley conference, yeah. Who would you put in automatically, right off the bat?
0: If I'm looking at the Missouri Valley, I think you could easily see I mean, North Dakota State's in. I think South Dakota State is in. Uh western illinois possibly i think they i mean they're top 10 for a reason and i think northern iowa recently has moved up but i don't know if you put them behind ahead of south dakota so i'd say three definitely right you say three three and because western illinois is ranked high enough they're probably
1: right because otherwise i would have stopped it at two yeah because to me it's only north dakota state and south dakota state yeah yeah, I agree. You know, And so now you look at the Southland, on a neutral field, I would take Central Arkansas, Sam Houston State, Nichols, and McNeese over Western Illinois and Northern Iowa.
0: Absolutely. And McNeese, you talk about – I mean, you look at their stats too. They're the number one rushing te- defense in the country. Number one. You can't – if you have a number one next to any statistical category that matters, There's and especially when it's rushing defense, you cannot just say – eh, well, I mean, they're from the Southland. No, 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 no. McNeese has earned their spot.
1: And look at the offenses in the Southland.
0: Exactly. McNeese has earned their spot, and Nichols, for that matter, has earned their spot. They beat McNeese. Yeah, so people are going to say, oh, Nichols, though. Who cares? Nichols is
1: good. (laughs) That's the thing. Nichols is the Southland version of Austin Peay. Yeah. It's a great story. And they are back. They are prominent now. They are winning big games. They could have beaten Texas A&M, probably should have won that game. So, I think all four teams get in. It's going to be interesting to see. Now, so let's say all four teams get in. That means only one SoCon, maybe. Two, if Furman is able to win. Yeah. If uh, Furman wins, they're in. I think if they lose, only Wofford gets in.
0: Wow. That right. That would be incredible. That would be I mean, incredible, I, right? The teams that I think are in the most trouble, though, with this, we mentioned them before, Delaware and UNH especially I mean Delaware I think might be dead and buried but UNH if you know again we're talking about if what happens if we get two or three teams from this conference that shouldn't have two or three teams in it they mm-hmm. they're going to be the teams on the outside looking in even though they are a name and even though they've made some noise in the NCAA tournament in the past I think they're in a lot a lot of trouble for me um, I think Montana could be in that conversation too if they don't beat Montana State I think they're in a lot of trouble would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think so too, because Montana just doesn't have that, that landmark win. Yeah. They got good wins. You know, they got they got conference wins and things of that nature, but they don't have that, that landmark while wow, they really beat this team, you know? Yeah. And I think that right there could keep them out. I also believe the big guys probably and rightfully show so should be a three bid league this year. Yeah. You know, southern Utah played their way in, Weber State played their way in.
0: Northern Arizona play their way in so folks we'll talk about all this i mean we're gonna have a big special about this next week gonna be two hours we're gonna go shoot for two hours with our playoff preview but coming up on the other side of the break we're talking rivalries oh the hatred the clash the color the sound of a rivalry game there's nothing better and we've got some huge and i mean actually huge (laughs) huge final games (laughs) coming up this weekend that are gonna have massive implications across the playoff landscape again this is the scs opening drive podcast presented by the connecticut school of broadcasting we'll be right back we'll be right back after this break
2: so you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now's the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrouck Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers. These are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 19.
0: Folks, welcome back to the Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. David Hasek here with the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, you know what I love about college football? I love rivalries. Yes. I love this time of the year, folks. This is the best time of the year. I don't care what you say or think. Only what I say matters in this program, well, Emory too, I guess a little bit. But we got some great rivalry games. We're gonna talk about about five of them. We got the River Belt Classic coming up, Nichols, Southeastern Louisiana, Battle of the Blue, Delaware versus Villanova, Florida Classic, BC versus uh Florida AM, and the battle for Chief Cato, one of my favorite <laughs> ones in Western State against Stephen F. Austin. But we've got some historic rivalries that we have to get to, and we're gonna start with the game. Harvard. Yale. This is the 134th meeting of these two. Yale leads the all-time series 66-59-8. Uh, Yale won last year 21-14, snapping a nine-game Harvard winning streak. But this game has a whole lot more drama and, shall we say, intrigue. Intrigue. <laughs> going into this game. Tell the people why, Emery. <laughs> well, all of the robbery games we're going to talk about
1: in this segment have that intrigue and have huge implications. Uh based off the outcome. Harvard Yale is interesting because you have it's the biggest rivalry.
0: This is usually the game we're talking about of who wins the Ivy. Exactly. And it still is, but not the way we thought it was not the way be. we
1: thought it was going to play out because if Harvard wins, Dartmouth becomes champ. So the big oh. green would be the biggest crimson fans uh, <laughs> this weekend. Yale wins and it just turns into a remarkable story. Yeah. You know, Coach Tony Reno should be in line for Ivy League Coach of the Year. Taking a young team from last year and turning them into champions a year later? Yeah. They played a lot of freshmen. So now, you, but granted, Columbia should, you know, I mean. Columbia is the story of the year the The story, story of the year in the, the, Ivy. the Ivy, right? But Yale winning the championship, and they play at the Yale Bowl, yeah. which is where they always play, I believe.
0: Yes which so, is all, all, very – it's an old school – it's basically a miniature Rose Bowl. Let's bingo, be honest. It's, it's one level. It's concrete bleachers. Just shrink it down to one-fifth scale of the Rose Bowl.
1: 60,000 uh, <laughs> seats in there, man, and they, they packed that stadium. And this is going to be a good game because Harvard – again, Harvard lost last week. So,
0: And Yale should have lost last week. Right. I mean, they were taken to the brink. And we're all <laughs> – I'm texting you. I'm like – there's no way they're both gonna lose. <laughs> Are they? This, this isn't right. Dartmouth no. is not gonna walk in there as champions
1: and not play the game. But that's why it's gonna be interesting to see this two, these two teams play because you know what rivalry games. As the cliche goes, you throw records out of the window.
0: Exactly. And again, in a rivalry like this, imagine like if Yale loses and Dartmouth takes this thing. Oh, that that's just gonna be heartbreaking. Also, I gotta give a, a shout out though to head football coach at Harvard, another Springfield guy, Tim Murphy. (laughs) (laughs) Got to give a shout-out to him, Um, and you know he's going to have his boys fired up for this game. Let's talk about another classic rivalry, the oldest rivalry game in all of college sports, Lafayette-Lehigh, the rivalry. This is the 153rd meeting between these two schools, which is remarkable to think about. Lafayette leads the all-time series 78-69-5. Lehigh is coming off two straight wins. Uh, They won the game last year 45-21. Lafayette's gotten better on the defensive side of the ball. They're going to need it. And, again, intrigue because it's all about playing spoiler.
1: Exactly. And here's the thing. Colgate, like we mentioned earlier, will be watching this game uh, from afar while they're playing Georgetown, keeping a close eye on that score. And the reason why this is an intriguing matchup because Lafayette, like you mentioned, got better defensively, but they got really good in the secondary, which is exactly what you want to hear as you're coming into this ball ballgame, yep. passing game versus the secondary, can Sean O'Malley, the young freshman walk-on, true freshman walk-on quarterback for Lafayette, protect the football? Yes. If he can protect the football, Lafayette has a legit chance to win this game because their defense is good and they match up well across the board against Lehigh and what they bring to the table from a passing standpoint. So we're going to learn a lot about the defense of Lafayette I'm sorry, the defense of Lehigh in this one, if they cannot allow the freshman to get hot in this game, because then they could be in trouble.
0: We're also going to learn a lot about the future of Lafayette as well. Absolutely. If Mr. O'Malley can take care of business in this game, I he's, he's got 12 passing touchdowns this year. That's not bad for a walk on true freshman. If they, as you said, they got a, they, they're number 30 in passing defense. That's Lehigh's bread and butter. You shut down their bread and butter, you force them to run running, running the ball. You could have a shot here, but I'll tell you what, Lafayette's got some weird score lines on this on their schedule. They got <laughs> a seven nothing win over Georgetown. They lost to Bucknell thirteen to seven. They beat Holy Cross ten seven. This is they are the equivalent of getting some sort of like, like one of those uh, Advil cold and sinus. The Advil PM. <laughs> Dude, that just watch a Lafayette game this year. But I'll tell you what, if this kid can lead them to win in their rivalry game in his first ever experience in this kind of atmosphere because he's never going to have to he's probably never faced this before a rivalry this big this storied if he produces if he performs and they win oh that kid's going to be set for life for the next four years he would never have to buy another drink in x and pa to be to east be, and pa i'm sorry to to be just a disclosure we do not promote underage drinking <laughs> he is a freshman but so, if he were to underage drink he wouldn't have to pay for it <laughs> save it until you're 21 kids just please just don't arrest us. <laughs> Let's move on to our next rivalry game, and it's this is a really, really fun one in the Miak. Howard versus Hampton, the battle of who's the real HU. 94th meeting between these two, Hampton leads 51-41-1. They won the game last year 34-7. to They've won two in a row, but big implications in the playoffs for Howard if they can win this game, not just for the rivalry, but for the, their whole postseason future. Yeah, and another coach of the year
1: candidate in Mike London. Who's done a great job turning this team around? Same players two and nine last year. Now they're potentially eight and three with yep. an FBS win and a near another FBS win. You yep. know? So I know we didn't get to it, but you could make a strong case for Howard right. for being in the playoffs, but it's going to be tough for them because they're not ranked. Right. You know, if they were ranked in the top twenty-five, then absolutely they should be in the playoffs. And if North Carolina Central knocks off – then, you know, things could get funny, things could get a little weird. Yeah. You know. You know, you know how, oh yeah, we lost our in the playoffs, A&T. <laughs> Howard yeah. goes to the celebration bowl. Yeah. So you never know. But in this ball game, Howard is the story of the year. They have the young quarterback that should win freshman of the year in that conference and Kalen Newton. And I think Hampton, who has been surprisingly good this year, that tough loss last week or two weeks ago, I believe, um, to that, NC Central, yeah. Exactly. So that kind of damp- dampens this a little bit, but it's a rivalry game.
0: Howard should come out and impress. They've, that's the thing. Hampton has kind of had their foot on the throttle in this rivalry recently, uh, but they've lost three in a row coming into this game, including a loss to South Carolina State last week, which is. That was a bad that's loss. That's a bad loss. They've got two tough losses to Bethune, Cookman, and NC Central. So you have to wonder if that's a psychological loss last week as to, oh man, we had a chance to do you know this, that, and they the other. They should have beaten Monmouth, too. Should have beaten Monmouth. They had a close loss there. Um, very good defensive squad in Hampton. That is their strength. If they can hold Howard in check, they got every shot of in this game, but I agree, I think Howard might get the better of them in this one. Uh, the South Dakota showdown series, South Dakota versus South Dakota State, this is a win and you're in, possibly for both teams. I think, I think we, we're pretty much in agreement that South Dakota State is in. Right. South Dakota needs to win this, but you know you don't want your in-state rival in there with you. Come on, this is going to be an right. absolute fight. Hundred thirteenth meeting between these two schools. And this is one of the closer rivalries all time. South Dakota leads 53 to 52 and seven. So, and South Dakota State has won eight straight. So they have a chance to even up the all-time series, win their ninth in a row, and keep their rival out of the playoffs. Oh, that's motivation for me. Oh, my
1: goodness. It, it, <laughs> that's you know, motivation. I love carnage, and I love the gore and guts and, and blood and stuff like that. But <laughs> there's no way South Dakota is winning this game.
0: Really? You give them no shot whatsoever? I give
1: them no shot in this game.
0: Oh, it's are disappointment. It's going to be... It's gonna be <laughs> you just
1: just uh, rallied off or ripped off a bunch of key points, all of which do not favor South Dakota against a very good team. Yeah, and but that gives a, a reason to shut them up. It does. And <laughs> I mean, th- winning you're in is more than enough reason to play hard. That's all I got in here. You know, but I don't see them beating South
0: Dakota State. Even though they got... Number eight in passing, number four in points per game, that's not enough? You don't think this is going to turn into an absolute shootout?
1: I think South Dakota has gone from
0: the king to the jester. Ooh. Uh, there's your bulletin board materials, <laughs> Coyotes. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, if this turns into a shootout, that favors the Coyotes for me. Right. Not South Dakota State. If this turns into a track meet, every chance that South Dakota comes out with a win here. And the last one we're going to talk about, I mentioned it before, my favorite rivalry nickname of all time the brawl of the wild montana montana state 116th meeting between the two montana has dominated this rivalry historically um 72 38 and 5 but montana state took home the win last year 24 17 in a tough hard-fought battle and again desperation time for both teams i think montana state i think we can agree might be out of it montana still has everything to play for and again it's a question of do you want to keep out your rival or not
1: yeah, that's the biggest question. Um, I you you can make you can make cases for Montana State winning this game mm-hmm. just from a, sh- a sheer scrappiness standpoint. I don't, you know, I don't want to give a prediction right here because it's early in the weekend. You got to watch the FCS kickoff.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But <laughs> if I have to give a lean, a lean, I would lean toward the Grizzlies. Okay, okay, it's getting I, cold outside. Yep, <laughs> the Bears are. You know, normally going into hibernation, <laughs> this bear is trying to extend the winter by going into the playoffs. It's so little, that's little a lean. Indian,
0: little Indian summer, perhaps <laughs> up in Montana. But I, I already know that there's snow falling up there, so it's definitely not fall at some fall point, any yeah. point. but no, I, I think I agree a little bit. This is going to be a, an absolute scrap. A lot, this team, these teams mirror each other quite a bit mm-hmm. um, in the way that they play and what they've done this year. Montana just has that little bit of an edge in overall talent um, and the only problem is they're gonna go on the road they're two and two on the road Montana State has been decent at home but not great they're gonna ha- want to just absolutely declaw the Grizzlies if they have the chance here uh, going into the final weekend speaking of that final weekend we've got some massive games folks that are gonna decide a lot about whose bubble is bursting who's gonna be cemented in who's winning titles I'm gonna start in the Miac. With another rivalry game that you mentioned, North Carolina A&T hosting North Carolina Central. Now, A&T is still undefeated. We're talking about a top 10 team here in all of FCS, a team that I think could make a deep run if they made the playoffs. But the only way they make the playoffs is if they lose. So what happens in this one?
1: Oh, man. Again, who who do you lose and go in, or do you win and get paid?
0: Mm.
1: how good is your team how bad do you want that fcs national championship well
0: i know if, if i'm the players i want to I'm, I'm not getting paid so i want to i want to go and make a run
1: <laughs> great point so that's, that's probably the best point
0: <laughs> the players want to get they want they want to go and make a run in the playoffs they want to ring
1: however you don't want to lose to a team that you don't like true so, true <laughs> to, to, in order to get that so i, I think A T has a unique challenge here because central i mean you don't this, is, this could be a situation where you let one loss become two. Yeah. I mean, the way they lost to Bethune-Cookman on a Hail Mary, Ugh. on a tipped ball Hail Mary. Just brutal. Oh, my goodness. Brutal. So that would have set the stage for them coming into this ball game where it didn't matter who won, everyone would have won because yeah. Central would have been ranked still. They would have gotten into the playoffs if they would have lost or they would have gone to the Celebration Bowl and set up what could be a potential rematch versus Grambling, who I think is going to breeze through the SWAC championship game and get into the, you know, they're going to breeze through the, the Bayou Classic yep. next week, and also the SWAC championship game, and then get into the Celebration Bowl, so Central losing last week, the way they did,
0: I think that carries over to this week, I think A&T can win this game Let's move to the Big South, we we pre- previewed this game quite a bit Monmouth, Kennesaw both undefeated, both at 9-1 and one for the Big South title, win, you got the bid, lose and you put your faith and you put your hope in the hands of the committee which is the worst feeling possible this game is going to be an absolute shootout to the end shouldn't it to quote
1: the most esteemed poet of our time ice cube (laughs) i would rather be judged by 12 than carried by six Mm. so you have to go out and win the game okay because you would rather make the case as a winner as opposed to putting it in the hands of a jury, so to speak. You know, So yeah. I think whoever loses this game is still going to go to the playoffs. I, I really do believe that they'll put both teams in. So it's going to be a great game. This is our stats FCS game of the week, by the way, too,
0: which you can catch on the FCS kickoff. Absolutely. and And, and you're right. I think, see, I think we've talked about this before. I think both teams get in regardless or they should, but that having that guarantee, that golden ticket, that just means so much more. Plus, you get a nice little banner on your football field next Absolutely. year. So that helps a little bit. Always love banners. Let's move to the SoCon now, and we talked about this game a little bit too. We talked about Samford. Um, they've got a tough opponent in this final week. They got the Paladins of Furman coming in. Furman can gain a, a share of the regular season SoCon title. Obviously, the bid has already gone to Wofford, but a win for either a winner gets eight wins on the season, which could be critical, especially if. Sanford's the one with the win in this game they could win this game and still not get in. Or they could win the game and be in. And Furman's
1: out. Furman's out. Which yeah. would be ridiculous. Right. Because also they could win and then Furman would also be in too. Right. So I think this is essentially a play-in game. Yeah. I think, I whoever, think so too, yeah. whoever loses is completely out because of what we talked about with the Southland. So this is going to be a huge game. And to be honest Furman has stepped up to the plate in all of the huge games that they've been in mm-hmm. and they're playing hot right now they're yeah. a legit white hot going into this matchup so if I'm Sanford there is no mistakes that can happen early in this game otherwise it could get ugly like bowling shoes
0: <laughs> ugly like bowling shoes that, that's that's a new one I I'm all heard it. for it today I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm on it today <laughs> I mean I, I've heard a lot of comparisons for ugly but that that's a new one for right there so new one. um th- no this, this is going to be wild it's going to be wacky and i think anything that this is one of those murphy's law games anything that can happen will happen i'm mm. looking at this game thinking blocked punts you know two-point conversions safeties you know just random penalties where they shouldn't be <laughs> shouldn't be called blown <laughs> right. calls chaos will reign in this game and i think Furman will come out on the other side as a winner I really think they are. I think Sanford's done well. I just don't know if they have enough to beat the Paladins. Let's move now to the CAA. And it's amazing we have to talk about a game that's going to decide the the CAA in week 12. But it's happening. And it's JMU versus Elon, of all things. Elon's home. JMU's undefeated, but they haven't really blown anybody away. You know Elon's going to be inspired by what they've done this year. And as I said, if they win, chaos reigns for the committee, and everybody else out there. Anybody who's on the bubble is rooting for JMU to just blow them out. Blow exactly. them out of the water. But Elon, Elon, the Phoenix rises from the ashes. There you go. And they've done – see, I got now I, you I, get I, it. I got a couple you get of things to do. But it. this team could make some noise here, and imagine if they knock off JMU. Is it possible? I'm putting you on the spot. Is it possible? It's always possible because we talked about this earlier. Elon doesn't get – blown
1: out they don't play they play close games so that says their defense is where it needs to be and if you have defense you can cause jmu some problems we saw richmond get up off the mat defensively last week and really cause problems for jmu yeah elon has a better defense do they have enough offense is the key
0: and will they be able to get past jmu's defense who has they've only allowed 96 points this season
1: their defense has been better than their offense this year, absolutely.
0: Yes, and, and that's overall, not just in the conference. 96 points in 10 games. Unless I, my math is failing me, that's less than 10 points a game. <laughs> and my math is not very good, but I, even I can figure this one out. Um, this, is, this will be a struggle. And as you said, Elon's played a lot of close games. JMU has been in a lot of close games themselves. They've always come out on the other side. This is why they were champions last year. But they're not blowing anybody away. If they, if they you know kind of spin their wheels in the first half... Like, they have been, and Elon can put a couple drives together. It could be a real interesting game going all the way to the end. Um, But, come on, JMU's got to take this thing. I I think think they win this one, but it's going to be closer than the experts think. People are thinking blowout in this game. I think a lot of people are thinking blowout. They're
1: thinking blowout, but, I mean, it's hard to go against a team that hadn't been blown out. Yeah. And this is the game that they'll be super up for. They shouldn't have lost last week. But maybe they were looking to hit, but we don't know. We'll find out that's why they play
0: the games. Absolutely. Let's move to the Pioneer, and one of the teams we talked about on the bubble, the team that was really the uh, the toughest case to make, and that was Jacksonville. They traveled to Drake. Now, Drake has been a very good story this year out of the Pioneer as well. They're 6-4, 5-2, and, four, five and two, though, in the league. They've been very surprising. They were challenging, really, um, to possibly take the whole thing away from San Diego a couple weeks ago. Jacksonville with the win gets to eight wins, and we mentioned that eight wins—that's a nice number. Two of those wins, you have to question the validity and how far that really helps them in their resume. But this should be an entertaining game, irregardless And I think Jacksonville has a good shot here of winning this eighth game.
1: Yeah, and that's going to be the key. It's all about how it looks now going into recruiting, going into the next season. Yeah. Um, but Drake also is a, still a pretty solid team. Uh so we'll see. I mean I don't you know, I I don't I don't think obviously we know Jacksonville's not getting in. Um mm. no, they're, mm. not it. they're not getting in. They're not getting in. We just made if, a case
0: for four Southland teams, three SoCon teams. If they blow out Drake, if they win convincingly, does that help them at all? No. Really? We no just shot. made a
1: case for like 17 from three conferences.
0: So there's no shot whatsoever of them
1: getting it. <laughs> no shot. No shot. <laughs> then why are we even talking about this game? Because it makes for great podcasting or radio. <laughs> so, but this is going to be a good game. This is a game that they, that they have to win against a very quality opponent. Can they get a quality win? The close of the season will be the key.
0: And the last game we're going to talk about here, and we're going to go back to Western Carolina. Last game, they're 7-4. Seven, seven wins, not bad seven and five with an FBS loss maybe you go into the playoff committee's scheduling here and their selection process at eight and four with a win over a big five conference opponent from the fbs that gets you in it from for me that gets you in and we all know what unc has been doing all year long which is not much the answer is not much a whole lot of nothing but here's the thing and this is why this is an intriguing game.
1: Why we're talking about it on the schedule, because you beat North Carolina. It doesn't matter that North Carolina is is two and eight, or two and nine, or whatever they are. ACC, exactly. It's ACC. Is North Carolina's Tar Heels is Michael Jordan all that stuff, right? Yep. You beat the entire university. So <laughs> all of that goes in favor of you. We saw this happen a couple of seasons ago when the Citadel beat South Carolina. Yeah. Western Carolina has a better offense now. North Carolina has a tremendous wide receiver that's a sophomore that's out. He he literally beat Pitt by himself. He was balling. (laughs) Um, But North Carolina really is not that good of a team. Western Carolina coming into this game, needing a win, number one, seeing an opportunity to get a win, number two, and also having what I think is – Better skill players at the running back position oh. and at quarterback. Ouch. UNC. Ouch. This Ouch. is going to be an interesting game. They have a legit shot to win this one. No <laughs> lie. And if they win, are they in? They are absolutely. And they beat they beat Michael Jordan's team. You got to put them in. This
0: is not basketball. Coach Doesn't K, matter. Coach K is not on the other sideline. Doesn't matter. By the way, shout out to Coach K for his 1,000th <laughs> win at Duke. Um, Folks, that's... Basically, the end of the show, there's not much more we have to say other than we're going to the
2: playoffs. Oh, we're going to the yeah, Springfield, Springfield College.
0: Yeah. Makes it to the D3 playoffs as the champion, undefeated champion. For only the third time in school history, we go undefeated for a season. Uh, first time, I believe, since 2003. Uh, we will be hosting Husson in the next round. And this is actually interesting because you have two of the top five running backs in all of Division Three facing off against each other. John Smith from Husson, the number one running back, has 1,900 yards this season. He has had a heck of a year against the number 4 running back in the country, Springfield's Jordan Wilcox, who put together 1,600 yards. And as an option offense, that's tough to do because you don't get the ball every play. So, Husson, I don't know what kind of defense you were playing against, but it wasn't as good as ours. I can tell you that right now. So, big game on Saturday. Get out to Stagfield, Field. Get the W. Move on, win, advance. i tell you what. This is an FCS show.
1: So FCS coaches are listening. How do you let John Smith get to hustle? This guy is Edron <laughs> James reincarnated. He's he from is Georgia. Good.
0: He's from Georgia, and he's surviving in Maine. That's that's good enough for me. It's hard enough for a kid That's why you're running all, all those surviving. yards.
1: you trying to run to stay warm.
0: <laughs> Goodness. I mean, and I, I'm just saying, if you're an arena football league team looking for a fullback, jordan wilcox is available wilcox should set. be playing on sundays he should you said it, not me so uh, you they value your information a whole lot more than mine so you know we'll what see. i'm talking about Emory, you are a busy man you were at the ecac selection show Correct. yesterday that's why uh we were a little bit behind in recording this um but where are you going to be this week because i mean last week of the year you got to be all over the place
1: well yeah i have the ecac bowl games i'm um, Friday, I have the ECAC Bowl game, which is going to be at UDell U- at Delaware Stadium. Um, then Saturday, I have Georgetown Colgate. And Fun. then Sunday, I have the th- the fourth and final remaining ECAC Bowl game. So I have three college football games I'm calling this weekend. So you can catch the ECAC games on ecacsports.com um, and also on the PAC net- Network and Georgetown Colgate will be on Patriot League Network at
0: PatriotLeague.tv. Sounds outstanding. Again, folks, this has been the FCS Opening Drive Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want to listen to this again, we are on iTunes. Search Football Game Plan Podcast and subscribe. Give us that five-star rating. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FCS Opening Drive, at the FCS Kickoff, and at F-ball Game Plan to follow my man Emery. And check out footballgameplan.com slash FCS Kickoff. Where you can check out the FCS Kickoff Show. It's a lot of fun to listen to, a lot of fun to watch, very informative, and the FCS Conference Whip Around. We're going to have a lot of our correspondents in from the FCS Conference Whiparound on air here next week. We got our playoff preview. We will have as many of those guys in here in the studio talking about why their teams are going to make some noise in the NCAA tournament. And again, folks, the FCS selection show is coming up on Sunday. Was it eleven AM, I believe? Eleven A.M. Eastern Time on ESPNU. So we get ready. To get those Twitter fingers ready. Prepare for celebration, anger, outrage, injury. Injury. I was waiting for it for <laughs> the for the FCS selection show, folks. Thank you so much for watching as always, and we will see you for a very special episode next week.